I don't know how good my audio is going to be because I set up for recording last weekend and you sound all right. I just I had to change my whole setup and I said you sound all right. Drop it, Gordon. Uh, we didn't podcast for about six six weeks, and uh, to start with, that was uh, a function of you going on vacation. But we, uh, we ended up you were, you were on vacation two weeks, and then I guess we didn't. We had another four weeks. <laughs> you can you can you can be honest. We needed a break. Yeah, not that uh, not that this is incredibly hard work or anything, but uh, you know. Takes time to put together a, a podcast, even of one of such poor quality as this one. And uh, you know, we needed a, a summer break. I'm uh, the podcast that I do for Campbell University has actually been on a, a year long COVID break because we weren't allowed to have anybody in our studios, and so we're going to uh, dust that one off and and bring it back in the fall. So I think a lot of a lot of people are doing that. Um, Zoom allows people to do a lot of online podcasts, but uh, when you have a studio on campus, you tend to want to use it. So we're going right. to try that again. I didn't Although realize I don't know. the Campbell podcast had been off for a year. Um, yeah, nobody that realized. That. <laughs> that, that does explain the the, the, the steep drop off in my uh, Orc Patrol royalties, because I think you guys were one of the only people using any Orc Patrol music. And, uh, we had uh i don't think we use it anymore we used uh, um yeah we used uh uh shoot i don't know i can't remember the name of the song not to include that but uh oh it was uh something about suit tailored suit yes yes another tailored suit another tailored suit how do you actually want to start off the podcast probably talking about rant day at the ballpark yes Rant night at the ballpark. So, um, <laughs> sorry. Oh God, I'm rusty. Yeah. Um, but yeah, rant night at the ballpark. That was a that was a thing. We threw out the first pitch at the Sanford Spinners. Yeah, I know, and I know you can't wait to talk about that. But one thing I want to talk about before that is I've been to two Sanford Spinners games, and the first one got rained out, and then this one it rained a good solid 15 minutes straight downpour and we had no no place to hide and so that's two spinners games and two um rain experiences although they they were able to to play this one yeah but they had to um suspend the game because of uh, lightning okay and we left right before that because of said lightning yeah no i i was there for the suspension um it was like lightning that went sideways and up and uh, it looked, you know, dangerous. And then the ump was waving his arms. And uh, I... The uh, ump was already driving off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, um, so the game was suspended and will be resumed. I'm told the spinners were ahead, I want to say, six to three or six to four. Um, okay. If they had been able to record three more outs, it would have been enough to, to call the game and, and call it a W for the good guys. But um, yeah. it will have to be resumed. Um, it, 
but uh but yeah so rant night at the ballpark we threw out the first pitch you you and john and me and um we chose to throw the pitch um and and i don't know we uh i don't know why in my head i made such a big deal out of it because we threw out the pitch before most of the people even arrived so it was uh and it had it started raining also so those who were there weren't really paying attention mm-hmm. so maybe a dozen people actually watched and yet um we decided to go individually on our first pitch and uh yours made it you made yeah, it to I, the plate yeah yeah i was a little a, a little wide to the left but yeah. um you know would not have been a strike yeah no but Anybody that knows me knows I'm a little wide to the left. Huh? Uh, yeah, John, but I, didn't, uh, I, I didn't biff it. And what's a biff? I didn't screw it up. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, is that a Back to the Future reference? No, it's just a phrase. Okay. John one hopped it, mm-hmm. and uh, he was pretty disappointed in that. Although it did hit the catcher. Yeah. Whereas my or pitch, you were aiming um, for the sun. I was aiming for the sun and I came close to hitting it. I, I went a good three feet over the catcher's head. He jumped and still came nowhere near it. And I hit the backstop. Um, I can't tell you why I did no, I did not do a warm up toss beforehand. Cause I was thinking, you know, it's just one throw. It's not like I'm going to throw my arm out trying to do this. Uh, and possible I didn't want that you saw John's pitching the dirt and said, I'm not going to, I'm not going to hit the dirt. And it wasn't that it wasn't that my mindset was, I didn't want to just lob it there. Like I wanted to give, I, and I wasn't going to like try to throw a fastball or anything. You got to warm up to do that. I just wanted a good solid on the line throw. And, um, and I would have done it had I, had I let go of the ball a good second later, but I let go of the ball for some reason mid throw and it just went, it went up. Had I, had I just waited a tick, then uh, I don't know. I'm not saying it would have been a strike, but it would have gotten to him at least because my kids, you know, I throw football and I throw baseball with my kids all the time. This isn't like I haven't thrown a ball in 20 years. I know how to throw a ball. And I wasn't nervous because, again, only a few people were actually paying attention. It was just oh, everybody was very. You know how many calls I've fielded since then about? You have not. It was oh, just gosh. a poor throw. <laughs> I did not know it was going to be video, though. So, uh, and I know a lot of people have seen it since. On video, at least, it doesn't look quite as bad as it actually was. I think from the angle, it looks like I barely missed the catcher, but it, it wasn't that close. It was. It was absolutely terrible. In fact, the way he leaped, I was a little worried that you were going to cause an injury. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been something had he landed and broken an ankle. Oh, he's coming up lame. (laughs) We would have never, uh, we would have never been invited back. Yeah. The rant rant banner is taken down from the the stadium at Tramway Park. Well, so you wrote, you wrote about the spinners in the last edition and um, you wrote about, uh, you know, your love for baseball, which you know, I'm a football guy. You you are a dyed-in-the-wool baseball guy. You, um, it, It's the sport, I think, that, that, that you love, that you follow. And, um, and so 
I, I agree with what you said. Um, the, uh, the spinners are, are fun to watch. It's a fun experience. Um, both the games I've been to, I wouldn't say the crowd was huge, but they've been good crowds. And I, and I imagine a lot of the people are, are family and friends of the, of the ball players. Um, I think if uh, more people just went to a ball game just to have a good time, that they would actually have a good time. Um, I think part of that, though, is where the games are being played. Suddenly, high school has a nice field, but it's not what I would call a an experience ballpark. And I think when they build this, this sports complex, if uh, I understand a, a baseball field will be part of that, and if they can make that into you know better seating for fans and maybe covered seating in, in a few areas or you know maybe a capacity of like 200 people then I think more people would go to the ball game just to go to the ball game like you would do a Durham game or like you would do a major league game not because you're a baseball fan but because you want to take your kids somewhere and have a good time um, I think this you know this could work if you go back to the 1940s and people speak so fondly of, of the spinners in those days. Um, you know, it wasn't a great ballpark. Temple park wasn't huge. It, it was nice. Uh, you know, and it, it could seat up to like 500 people, but it wasn't like, you know, I think people have fonder memories of the way it was than the way it actually was because the ball players then were the same, Ball players you have now a lot of them were in college this was their summer league um you know a few of them would go on to the minor leagues and uh a very small handful from the tobacco league uh scratched the major leagues but um i think it's the same level of play and i think uh i think if this thing continues and this league is able to you know i know it's a fairly new league if it's able to get some solid footing and continue i think uh, this could be successful here. I um, I think you make a good point. It's it, it is interesting. Um, just the league itself is relatively new, and it's not the only league like this. Of uh, you know, the it's it's not the only league of its kind, even in North Carolina. Um, but as it as it gets bigger and as it gets more established, you're going to see more. Um, you know, more, more kids wanting to do this and, and you're going to see, I think you'll see scouts coming to watch these yeah. kids because, you know, a lot of them are really talented and there's, uh, there's yeah. a few of them on the spinners that are, you know, I've started, I've been to, I think four or five games now and, you know, you, you start to pick out the, the, like you've described Billy when the um, Astros had their minor league affiliate in, in uh in Bowie's creek for a little while um you recognize the players that are playing at a different level than everybody else and and there's a couple yeah, of them that, you, that i that that i've seen that you can tell well that guy is he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna at least take the next step so when uh when the Bowie's creek so right now they're the fayetteville woodpeckers but when they made the move to fayetteville before they became the woodpeckers they played two years in Bowie's creek while they built the stadium in Fayetteville, which if you haven't been there before, Gordon, um, you would really like it. It's, I, it's, uh, I, I haven't seen a Woodpeckers game, but I saw a Campbell game down there. Um, so anyway, um, the Bowie's Creek Astros were a single A, um, which is 
I'm sure people know that there's single A, double A, triple A, but what they don't realize is there's also rookie A and there's even smaller, like minor league systems are more than just single A, triple A, double A. Um, There's a lot more to it, but uh, the Bowie's Creek Astros, which also play in the same league as the Carolina Mudcats and um, the Down East Wood Ducks and, and some of those teams, um, that's single A ball and, um, and for single A team, sometimes a really great major league prospect will go straight to double A, but more often than not, they will start out at single A. And so when, um, when the Astros came here, they had a roster that had, I think five of those guys have since gone on to play for the Astros. Um, I don't remember all of them off the top of my head, but, uh, um, Miles Straw. Uh, has played outfield for the Astros. They had a pitcher who uh, pitched a game in the World Series who did a rehab start um, at in Bowie's Creek. And I remember when he did it, um, attendance doubled because everybody knew who this guy was. And again, I don't remember his name off the top of my head. But the guy that um, everyone knew was a big deal and he was there for the, for the opening day was a guy named Kyle Tucker. And Kyle Tucker, um, uh, I got to interview him because, uh, you know, they brought media out and they wanted, they put him out in front of everybody to, uh, you know, to, to talk about the, the team and everything. But um, he was a six foot four string bean. He's like six foot four and he's under 200 pounds. And I remember when I saw him, I thought, you know, this does not look like a slugger by any means. And, uh, and then when we actually watched the game, um, you know, they use wood bats, uh, in the, in the minor league system. And, um, you would hear the crack of the bat from anybody else, which would, you know, sounds great. And, and, uh, but when Kyle Tucker hit his first ball and I think it was just like, it was a deep pop-up. I don't even think it went out, but when he hit his first ball, um, he had a different sound <laughs> to his bat and he it was had like Thor singing a lullaby. It was. And he had this swing that was just, it was, it was perfect. It was like, almost like he was a left-hander and it was almost like a Ken Griffey type swing. And we looked at this guy and he said, Oh, he's not going to be here long. And turns out, yeah, he lasted three months um, with the Bowie's Creek Astros and got promoted to, I think, uh, Corpus Christi or wherever um, their, their double A, triple A program is. But I'm looking at stats now and uh, he played for Bowie's Creek in 2017 2016 maybe and uh, he got called up to the Astros in 2018 uh, played a little bit sparingly in 2019 Um, last year he was a part-timer but this year he's been a starting outfielder for them and at the all-star break had 15 home runs and 50 RBI so he's gonna be something and uh, it was really cool to see him at that level he's gonna be something it sounds like he is maybe it'll turn into something Well, he's, yeah, he's on pace for 30 home runs and uh, and 100 RBI right now, um, batting 270. And uh, you know, I'm looking at his stuff here. He can probably cut down on the strikeouts a little bit. He's at 52 strikeouts, but um, he's stolen seven bases. And uh, I don't know. I, I, you know, I'm an old school guy, and I don't follow OPS ops as much. But is a 834 ops good, Gordon? Yes. Okay. That's where he's at. It's on base plus slugging percentage. Gotcha. So that means that if you have 840 something, 
your the average of your 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 on base and your slugging is would be 420. Yeah. Either of those that would be a good on base percentage or a good slugging percentage. I remember when I did the story, um, you know, minor leaguers. I know it's gotten better since then because uh, um, there's been a lot of actual uh, uh, debate and controversy about this. But there's some minor leaguers that make the equivalent to almost minimum wage. You know, they they have to all live together, and they're maybe pulling in thirty thousand dollars a year. Um, but when uh, when somebody like Kyle Tucker comes through and he was a first round draft choice, he was the fifth overall pick. Um, they get they don't get paid very much either in the minors, but they get these huge signing bonuses. And I don't know what Kyle Tucker's signing bonus was, but it was in the millions. And so uh, those guys are pretty much looked to to pay for everything <laughs> for, for their minor league teammates. Like when they go out to eat and everything, it's like, um, you know, Kyle and, and these other first round picks have the tab and uh they usually do it too so um but yeah that was, it was it was a very interesting experience and those two years in Bowie's creek were, were a lot of fun um yeah and i know this isn't the same level as that but this is good baseball and uh you know the game we went to the spinners scored four runs in the first inning one of them was a you know 390 foot left center moonshot that uh that sounded good off the bat too. So a, a, a positive dinger. Before we get into our interview with Cliff Wheeler, we're going to play you one of his songs. The Cliff Wheeler band will perform at Carolina Indie Fest in downtown Sanford on September 18th and 19th. This is Sunshine by the Cliff Wheeler Band. Free. 
Well, so Cliff, why don't you just start by, you know, telling us about yourself? I know you're a local guy and you uh, you play music and 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 that's kind of the extent of my knowledge. But why don't you tell us about yourself and, and you know, how you got into this and and, and what, what it is that you do? Sure. Um, yeah, I, I split time between uh, Lee County and Oak Island, uh, about 60 percent of the time in Lee County and 40 percent of Oak Island. Um, in 2017, I've been playing music around uh, North Carolina and, and the Southeast, off and on all my life. Uh, in 2017, my son, who was a senior at, uh, at uh, Southern Lee, uh, pushed me to record some songs. I hadn't done any recording in a couple of decades, really. Mm-hmm. And he sort of pushed me to record some songs. And so I wrote a bunch of songs. And uh, we went down to this great studio in Wilmington called uh, Hourglass Studios, and I took a bunch of my friends, uh, musician friends, all of them local, and um, we went down and recorded the tunes, and a couple of them turned out pretty good, and then, um, and some internet radio, internet-based radio stations started picking them up and putting them into rotation and stuff, and so we were like, hey, maybe, you know, maybe we're on to something here, and um, so we got invited, crazy story. Uh, WWQQ out of uh, Wilmington picked up one of my songs and uh, uh, entered it into uh, Cumulus Media's Nash Next competition, which is a national competition for country music artists. And um, so I was literally driving to the beach one day and I get a call on my cell phone um, and they uh, asked us to come down and perform. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. We weren't even a band. Uh, it's like I said, it's just a bunch of my buddies got together and recorded this album. And so we talked about it and decided to do it and won um, for North Carolina, for the state of North Carolina. And so wow. we were like, you know, uh, let's stick together and see what happens. And so we've been hitting it pretty hard ever since. That's awesome. That is awesome. And it sounds like it's, um, it's, it's less of a, you know, a concerted effort to, to, to be a band and more of a let's just let's just do this and see what happens and it and it turned out really good um so you uh, you've been playing locally and um you know all around the country for the last several years right that's right yep we uh we uh play nashville on a fairly regular basis of course that was pre-covid before everything shut down right so yeah when we tour uh, when we get the opportunity my uh son and uh is my bass player Garrett Wheeler and uh, my drummer Johnny Handy, both were students at a 
UNC Wilmington and just recently graduated. So we had to sort of plan tours and stuff around when they were available. And I don't want to leave out Gary Orlando. He lives here in Lee County too. Um, guitar player, actually phenomenal guitar player. And uh, we got a really, really good band. But yeah, we've, uh, uh, we did a big tour in 2019 out through Nashville, Memphis, Mississippi, New Orleans. Uh, ended up doing a couple of showcases out at South by Southwest in Austin. Mm -hmm. And then we came back and were home for a little while and then went back out on the road down through uh, Florida and back. So, yeah, we get over predominantly the southeast United States. But uh, starting in 2022, that's uh, going to change a little bit. We've got some invitations to do some pretty cool stuff up north and uh so we're expanding our footprint and you um it sounds like you were kind of part of the impetus for this upcoming carolina indie fest um everybody i talked to says that it sort of started out of conversations with you and your connections to the guys at um the indie on air uh indie on air records uh, can you talk about that a little bit your your relationship with them and and you know, how this whole Carolina Indie Fest thing came about from your perspective? Sure. Um, so uh, I met Jeff and uh, Paul and Richard, the guys from Indie On Air Records. Um, uh, back in 2019, they were the ones that invited us to uh, come out and do a showcase at Texas Indie Fest, which is during South by Southwest. And um, then actually helped us line up another showcase uh, in South by Southwest while we were out there. And um, so uh, Tim and I, uh, Timmy Merck and I uh, became acquainted. I played up at his, uh, at the brewery several times. Mm -hmm. And um, he had, and he had been talking about that, you know, he'd like to do some, some kind of a festival or, you know, with all the players, do some kind of a festival. So one day I was up there just having a beer and we were talking and, um, and he said something about, he'd like to do something on a pretty large scale. And I was like, well, you know, this, management firm that I know um, at this point I wasn't signed with them but I have since then um, I was like this management firm that I know goes all around the country doing uh, indie music festivals and if you would like me to make an introduction uh, I'd be more than happy to and uh, so we did and um, uh, a few weeks later Jeff flew up Jeff and Paul well Jeff flew up Paul drove down from uh, Pennsylvania and we all had a little meeting and I basically just it made the introductions and stepped out and it's been uh, them from that point forward. Right. Right. I wanted to see if you wanted to talk a little bit about your music itself and, you know, where you, where you get your inspiration, what types of things you draw from. I listened to the links you sent me and um, sober again, in particular, that's like a really beautiful song. Um, I mean, I just, just tell me a little bit about, you know, where you come from with your music. You know, um, I write uh, very real songs. <laughs> um, most of them are life experiences, either that I've experienced directly or um, that I've witnessed uh, up close. And um, that's just uh, sort of the way I've always been. I've wrote songs uh, for pretty much every band I've been in since back in the, I'm gonna date myself now, since back in the early eighties. <laughs> but um, uh, I've always just written, uh, it's sort of like, uh, I think it was in the movie Crossroads, uh, the old blues guy tells the young guitar player, you know, you can't, you can't write or sing or play the blues till you live blues. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I 
right from uh, very real situations. I tend to uh, write about the grittier sides of life for some reason. I'm, I'm really a very happy guy. <laughs> you might not know it from my music, but uh, I've got a pretty good life and I love what I do. And uh, But when I start writing, that's just uh, the side that comes out. And uh, maybe it's a way just to get rid of that stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But um, so that's pretty much where it is. Uh, my writing, I typically um, will have an idea for a song. You mentioned Sober again. I had a, I keep little notes on my phone if I get an idea for a song. And sometimes it's just one word or sometimes it's uh, multiple uh, or a couple of lines or something. And um, so um, I had had that, those two words, sober again, I've been carrying around on my phone for months and months. And so um, a lot of times when I get ready to write, I'll go down to Oak Island by myself and just sort of uh, uh, block everybody out. And uh, I got a rule that, that if I close the blinds on the front door, everybody knows not to come knocking and that kind of thing. And so I just get down there by myself. And, um, and so I was down there on a writing session and got up one morning and fixed a cup of coffee and and uh, so we then pulled up my phone looking for an idea of something to work with. And uh, and I was like, well, let's try that one. And it, it came out really well. It's been a really good song uh, song for us. And uh, we love it. Of course, we love all of them. But uh, yeah, that's been that's sort of been a special song. That one seems to uh, people people send to, tend to gravitate towards that one. Um, so you guys are playing and correct me if I'm wrong, but it, I think it was two sets at the at the indie fest it, one probably a full band and one just you maybe is that correct no um what we do is um and that's one thing i really like about the versatility of this band is um we do quite a few unplugged shows okay and so um we do the big electric stuff too and we love that but um but i really enjoy doing the unplugged shows as a matter of fact i'm doing one later tonight uh, but just me and Garrett, my son. Mm -hmm. um, um, so what we're going to do is we call it stripped, uh, CWB stripped, and it's just uh, Johnny will probably be playing a cajon, and uh, and uh, I'll be playing acoustic guitar. And um, but we do, uh, you know, some of our songs don't translate all that well to acoustic, and so we have a different set that we'll do for the acoustic show than what we'll do when we're playing on the main stage. But yeah, we're in. Saturday, uh, Saturday night uh, on the acoustic stage, and then uh, um, Sunday evening on the main stage. Okay, okay. Hey, Cliff, I just had one question. Uh, um, you've played probably a lot of these similar indie, like festival shows where there's multiple bands, maybe over multiple days. Um, being that this is the first one in Sanford and, and that you've probably played so many of them, uh, what makes a what makes a successful event like this? Uh, I'm sure you've played some that have been highly su successful. Maybe you've played some that you went away thinking they could have done a better job. So, just in your experience, what what makes an event like this a success? Uh, promotion and turnout is the big thing. Uh, we got to make sure we get people out. Um, there's nothing worse than to be all excited about you know playing a big show out there, and there's 50 people there and um, um, but, uh, so we need to get the people out. Um, I'll tell you one thing that's encouraging 
to me is that I've had friends uh, starting last week that were trying to book hotel rooms and uh, they're booked. <laughs> there's, really? okay. there's none available. So, so that's a really good indication um, that we're going to have a successful show. Also the, it just running smoothly, the, you know, the mechanics of it, the behind the scenes stuff is, is a big deal. Um, but I don't think we'll have an issue there. It seems like we've got a really good team uh, that's working on that. I know, I know the sound reinforcement guys really, really well. And they do a good job. So uh, that part of it, I think we're going to be in good shape on. And so the big thing is just getting, uh, is getting the audience out there and, uh, you know, and, and it'll grow as we do this. Uh, hopefully this will be a multiple, you know, multiple year event, you know, that, uh, and is, as people, more and more people learn about it, it'll keep growing. But, um, yeah, I'm excited about it. Um, like I said, that hotel being sold out is, was a really good indication. Yeah. That's, that's cool to hear. Um, do you want to just say where people can, can check out your music? I'm, I, I know you're on all the streaming services, but, um, if you just want to mention your website and your social media, um, so that people can check you out. And we're also, like I said, going to be playing a couple of the songs that you sent on this podcast. Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, the website is uh, www.cliffwheeler.us. Um, Facebook's Cliff Wheeler Band. Twitter is uh, at MacWheel Music. Um, that's my music company. Mm -hmm. uh, Instagram is uh, Cliff Wheeler Official. But it's like you said, we're on all the major streaming platforms. If uh, if uh, if you just Google us, all all that stuff pops up. We've uh, we've got a pretty good uh, social media and uh, internet presence, and uh, so we're pretty easy to find. Um, if you want hard copies of the CDs, um, there's you can buy those through the website along with merchandise and stuff. So uh, yeah, we're we're pretty much out there. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Cliff. And like I said, this is the, the first of, of many of these interviews, um, but I wanted to get you in at the beginning because you're you're one of the only local uh, local acts. And and uh, from what I from talking to Tim Emmert at Hugger Mugger and uh, and Jeff, uh, Jeff Popka, they both mentioned you as being sort of, you know, instrumental in getting this thing off the ground. So uh, I just wanted to get you in at the beginning, but appreciate your time and uh, looking forward to seeing you play. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate uh, you two, you guys having me on. It's uh, we're looking forward to the uh, looking forward to the show, and uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. I got a feeling. This is "Sober Again" by the Cliff Wheeler Band, who again are performing at Carolina Indie Fest on September eighteenth and nineteenth in downtown Sanford. <laughs> and rhyme never lasting like the days of my youth always ending so I sing this song of truth I'll never know till I'm sober again one more morning that I wake up on the floor 
head's a-pounding But I think what hurts me more Is the memory That I relive every day Oh, blurred vision Of you walking away But it won't hurt Till I'm sober again Killing this pain I feel each day. Another shot, and the colors fade to gray. Drown out the words I didn't say. But it won't hurt till I'm sober again. Sober again. Like I've been so many times Sure live Between the rhythms and the rhymes Never lasting Like the days of my youth Always ending So I sing this song of truth You'll never see Till I'm sober again It won't hurt till I'm sober again. I listened to um, some Cliff Wheeler before the podcast, and um, it's a name. Anytime you and I ever do a music story for the rant, without fail, we get someone that says, Hey, do a story on Cliff Wheeler <laughs> or, you know, like, uh, Hey, you guys need to feature Cliff Wheeler and he's pretty good. Yeah. He yeah, has an interesting story too. I, you know, um, he was talking about, he's like many musicians he's been playing for a long time, but it sounds yeah. like he didn't really try to, to, to be a professional musician. It just sort of happened. And that's, that's always the best kind. Yeah. Yeah, he's got, he, um, you know, in, in the podcast, and I know people can only listen to it, but um, seeing him as we did on Zoom, you know, he kind of, um, I don't know, I, I don't know how to say it without <laughs> sounding bad, but he doesn't look like a, uh, a quote unquote rocker, I guess, you know, you know, a little gray in the beard and whatever, but, uh, hey. you know, hey, his, hey. <laughs> In his, uh, in his videos, he, he uh, you know, in his music, um, he can go from, like you said, the song uh, um, Sober Again, you know, he can go from soft and and uh, uh, emotional to, uh, you know, um, pretty, uh, pretty intense on stage. So I think uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to him, to, to watching him at the at the festival. Yeah, there's a definite uh, rock element. Definitely not bro country. No, no. <laughs> so uh, this is our first of many um, musician podcasts leading up to the Sanford Indie Fest. And 
I didn't bring it up um, in this interview. I did ask Cliff, you know, what makes a, a successful festival because he's played many of them. But um, one of the things that uh, both excite me and worry me about Sanford Indie Fest is um, excites me because of the potential. You know, we've seen it when downtown gets a lot of people and and what kind of event that can become. But we've also seen many a well-planned event in Sanford just simply not do well because of, um, you know, the city's sometimes inability to show up. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, I hope they're, I hope they're relying on a lot of outside interest for this festival. And that's always uh, an iffy, an iffy um, thing to rely on, I guess, here in Sanford. So I, I don't know, I'm both excited and, uh, curious about the way this is going to take off, I guess. How, how do you feel about that? I, yeah, I think that they're doing most of their, the most of the planning and or most, most of the marketing, I should say, is not as much to Sanford as it is to music lovers in surrounding areas. Um, I mean, I'll put it this way. One of the big drivers of this is the Sanford Tourism Development Authority. And, you know, they're, they're, they're not marketing to Sanford. They're marketing Sanford to others. So, yeah. So a lot of people have, have say that one of the hardest things to do in sports is hit a baseball. Um, what are the chances if we were to put you in a batter's box with a helmet and go up against, you know, someone who up there was throwing low eighties, upper seventies, um, what are the chances you could make contact? None. I know. Like I can't, <laughs> it's just not going to happen. Um, I would like to think that some of my old high school days would kick in and that maybe I could foul one off, but you would like to think that. I would like to think that I would need the lightest bat possible. Uh -huh. I would need um, I would need to know that it was a fastball because if you throw a breaking pitch at me, I'm going to fall out of the box and uh, and never come back. So, yeah, maybe maybe for me, but um, it would not be a it would not be a solid <laughs> it would not be solid contact by any means. No, it would be like a yeah. No, I don't I don't think you you could do it. I think this sounds like a challenge. We should, do a, we should do a batting cage challenge at least. Oh, God. Mm -hmm. 